today, as we open up God's word, I want to tell you a story. And this story might be familiar to you, but maybe not in the way that we're going to talk about it today. You know, in this sermon series, if you've been following along, it's all been about prayer. It's been about seeking the Lord as one family. If my people gather and if my people pray and if my people will submit themselves to the Lord, if my people are humble, if my people are repentant. So this morning, we're going to open up the word and we're going to go to the theme verse of this whole sermon series. The famous verse from Second Chronicles, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, if they'll pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear them from heaven, forgive them their sin, and heal their land. But this morning, I want to start somewhere a little different. I want to start with the story of the lost son. Now, the story of the lost son is one you know well. Let me remind you of the two men in this story. And let's see which one you are and which one I am as we approach the Lord through prayer. The story goes like this. A father had two sons. The younger son decided that he wanted his share of his father's inheritance before his father died. That son went to his father and requested it. So in essence, wishing his dad was dead, said, Dad, give me half of everything you have, regardless of whether it bankrupts you, regardless of whether it ends our family business, regardless of whether it leaves you with not enough to take care of mom and my brother, I want my half now. Well, the father gives him his half, and it says this son, this younger son, goes off and lives sinfully. He wastes all of it and blows this money in sinful living. It doesn't take long. Soon we find this younger son in the pig pen, looking at the food that he's feeding to the pigs. You see, he's been humbled to the point of the lowest slave, doing the worst job, staring at the pig's food and wishing it could be his own. That's how hungry he is. And in this moment of complete desperation, the younger son has an epiphany. If I just go back to dad... And if I apologize, and if I ask him if I can be his slave, maybe he'll take me home. Maybe. But would the father? You have to remember, this younger son, in taking the inheritance, wished his father was dead. And this son now has blown all of it in complete sinful living. Why would the father want to take him back in? Well, this younger son covered in whatever was in the pig and heads home. And as he walks down the road to his father, he is rehearsing his apology, trying to get it just right. Well, the story says the father sees him from a long way off. Before the son can offer his apology, the father runs to him. Why? Why would the father run to him? We would know from this story that there would only be one reason why the younger son would come home. He needed his dad. Why else? He had broken his father's heart 
and wished his father dead by taking his share and leaving. Why would he come home? Unless he needed his father again. Who are we? The older son, of course, we know from this story, throws a fit. Because the younger son is celebrated. He has come back to life and the dad throws a party to celebrate that he's back in the family. The older brother, of course, Father, I've always been faithful to you. I've always been here. I have not sinned greatly against you. You owe me a great reward. You owe me a celebration. Where's my celebration? Where's my reward? So over this 40 days of prayer at Bridgeway, where is my heart and where is yours? Do we come before the Lord expecting a great response because of our faithfulness? Because of how good we've been and how faithful we've been, we say to God, Father, here are our requests. Accomplish them for us. We deserve it. Or do we come before our Father humbled? Do we come before our Father desperate? Do we come before him broken? Admitting we're dirty? We've walked away from you? We've fallen short of your ways? Broken your heart? We don't deserve a response. Who are we? Who are we to come home? What position are we in to request anything? But we need help. We don't know what to do. Will you meet us in our time of need? The theme verse of this sermon series comes from Second Chronicles. Now that was a time when King Solomon had taken over after King David. King Solomon built the temple of the Lord. He assembles the nation, puts them to work, and constructs God's house. This was something the Lord had never had before. He had been in the tabernacle. He had rested his presence on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. But now Solomon takes it upon himself in the country to construct a permanent dwelling for Yahweh. So after this is accomplished, after this mighty building is constructed and covered in gold, Solomon goes to get the Ark of the Covenant. Because if you're going to bring the presence of God into this building, we need to go back to where God's presence landed, the mercy seat. So the Ark of the Covenant is retrieved and it's brought in. The priests bring it into its place and it rests there. Now that the building is ready, now that the ancient artifact is placed in the Holy of Holies, they're missing one thing. They're missing the Lord. So before the whole nation, the whole assembly of Israel, Solomon gets down on his knees. Solomon raises his hands to heaven and he begins to pray. Now think about this. This is the king of the people, the most powerful man in the country. And he falls before his Lord in desperate prayer. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth. You who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue 
wholeheartedly in your way. You've kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth, you have promised. With your hand, you've fulfilled it as it is today. And he challenges the Lord, continue to keep your promise. Continue to keep the line of David on this throne that you've established. And now the moment of humility kicks in as the king before his people says to the Lord, but, but will God really dwell on earth with men? The heavens, he prays, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I've built. Now this is the dedication of the temple. This is the moment where they celebrate its construction. And he prays, Lord, I know this building isn't even good enough. Why? Because even the highest heavens that you have created are not enough to contain you. So why would this little building that I and my people constructed, why would it be enough to contain you? There's no way. There's no way you are too grand and too big for your presence to fit within this little place. Yet, give attention to your servant's prayer. Give attention to his plea for mercy. Please, Lord, I know this isn't good enough for you. We could cover it in gold and build it three times the size. It would not be enough to contain you. But please, hear our prayer. This is the prayer of your people, broken and humble. Solomon, in a state of humility, prays that the Lord would hear them even after they sin. He says, when a man wrongs his neighbor and is required to take an oath and he comes and swears the oath before your altar in this temple, Lord, Lord, when your people have been defeated by an enemy because they've sinned against you, when they turn back and confess your name, Lord, when the heavens are shut and there's no rain because your people have sinned against you, Lord, when there's famine or plague, when it comes upon this land, blight, mildew, locust, grasshopper, when enemies besiege them and any of their cities, whenever disaster or disease may come. When a prayer or a plea is made by any of your people, Israel, each one aware of his afflictions and pains, spreading out his hands towards this temple, hear from heaven. Forgive and deal with each man according to all he does since you know his heart so that they will fear you and walk in your ways all the time and they will live in the land you gave our fathers. When your people go to war against their enemies, when they sin against you, Lord, and the anger that you have with them moves you to give them over to their enemy and take them captive to a foreign land. When they go, Lord, he says, when we go into exile, when we have sinned so greatly against you, that you are forced to deal with us in this way, will you hear us? 
Because, Lord, if you're not going to hear us in our sin when we repent to you, then what good is the big building? What good is all of this show? If in our brokenness, our God won't hear us. He finishes this prayer, and it says this in chapter 7. Listen to these words. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven. It consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. The glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests couldn't enter the temple because it was so filled with God's glory. There wasn't room for them to perform their duties in there. The Lord came down in fire. The people fell down and they worshipped Yahweh and they said he is good. His love endures forever. He is good. His love endures forever. You imagine a million people bowing down before this brand new building. Just saying, Lord, you are good. Lord, you are good. Your love, it endures and endures. When I read this the first time, I had to read this twice. It said, King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle. It's more cattle than me and my dad own together. 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. There was a 14-day long celebration where these animals were sacrificed in worship to God. This is this beautiful moment of them worshiping their father the way they know how. They brought their animals to him. Not only would these sacrifices cover their sin, but they'd be a, a fragrance. They would be a praise. They would be a way of honoring Yahweh of thanking him. It says, after 14 days, the people went home filled with joy. The nation disperses. The Lord has landed in fire. They celebrate. God is here. But the question remains, has God answered Solomon's prayer? Will God hear them? He's landed in fire. We've seen that. Will he hear them when they humble themselves and repent? Keep reading. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord, the Lord appeared to him at night. Not to the whole nation, the Lord appears to Solomon at night. And the Lord says this, I have heard your prayer. I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. And when I shut the heavens so that there's no rain, or when I command the locusts to devour this land. Or when I send a plague among you. If my people, 
They're ones who are called by my name. If my people humble themselves, seek my face and pray. If they'll turn from their wickedness and sin, I'll hear them. I'll hear them. And not only that, I'll forgive them and I'll hear their land. The answer Solomon had been waiting for, Lord, what happens when we break your heart and fall short of you? The Lord declares, I will hear you if you seek me. I'll hear you if you turn away from that sin and take the posture of humility, the brokenness, the desperation. God, you are great and we are not. Lord, we need saving and your Savior. I will hear you, forgive you, and heal. We go back to the story of the lost son. Now remember, as this son came home, this is a story of salvation. Often we teach this story in conjunction with the lost coin, right, and the lost sheep. And this story teaches us that as this lost son came home to his father, there's a celebration because he's received salvation. He was dead and now he's found, he's alive. So we need to celebrate just like when that one sheep out of 99 is brought home, saved. There's a celebration in heaven for a sinner who repents. Now remember in this story, the older son wasn't the broken sinner. He was already in his father's presence. The younger son is the one broken and covered in sin. And by looking at his return to his father, we see the response of the sinner. You've probably read this story. Have you noticed what the younger son says as he comes home? The story says, while he, the younger son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around his son, and he kissed him. The son, pay attention, the son then says to him, Father, I have sinned. I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The father's next words are quick. Quick, go get the robe. Quick, plan the party. Quick, it's time to celebrate quickly. And we can get caught up in the excitement of the celebration. We don't take a minute to pause on those words. The younger son takes the posture of repentance. I have sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called yours. Repentance. Humility. Now imagine that in our prayers as a church, as we gather together. Father, we're broken and we're sinful. We've sinned many times in many ways. And again, we come before you 
repenting of those mistakes. We're not even worthy, Lord, to be your children. Because we are broken and sinful and you are holy and pure. Who are we to come speak to you? Who are we to bring our requests to your throne and be in your presence? Who are we? And the Father celebrates as we come home. If my people humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear them. The words of the Lord to Solomon, if my people, if my people. So for you and for me, how do we fit in this story? Where's our place? Where's our desperation? Because too easily and quickly I fall into the older son's position, right? And I can approach the throne of grace with an attitude of arrogant expectation. Father, I've done this and this and this, and now I'll pray for an answer, a blessing, a reward. I'll pray for you to move, and the expectation, Lord, is that you'll do it. Because I've done this and this and this. And it's wrong. But that creeps into my heart. It does. And it shouldn't. And for this past month, we as a church have been gathering here on Wednesday nights to pray to the Lord. Not because, Lord, look at us. Look at the show. Look at the 30 of us who are so devoted to you, Lord. Look at us sacrificing our time. Look at us giving to you, Lord, and now where's the response? We've been good. We've been faithful. Where's the response? We have to guard ourselves from that attitude because so quickly it can creep up into all of us. Do we approach the throne of grace like the older son or the younger? Because you and I constantly fall into sin. Not out of salvation, but constantly into sin. How do we approach that throne? With reverence, with an understanding that we don't deserve to have our words in his throne room? Or with arrogant expectation? Do we praise if we need him? I was so convicted of this the other week that me and Nick were talking about it. Do we pray as if we need him? Do we pray half prayers? Lord, I need you to come through in this circumstance. But if you don't, it's okay, I have a plan. And Lord, I really need you to work in this person's heart. But I don't really expect you to because my expectations have been lowered over the years. And Father, it would be beautiful if you'd heal this person who's sick. But I completely understand if you choose not to because you choose not to all the time. And all of a sudden, we stop praying with holy expectation. We start to limit the power of God in our own prayers. We pray as if he's not capable or we pray as if we wouldn't expect him to respond at all. Well, if his response is based on our obedience, then he definitely won't respond because we haven't been obedient enough. What if we approached his throne with humility?
the Lord said to Solomon, Solomon, now my eyes will be open to the prayers offered in this place. My ears will be attentive. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. My eyes and my heart will always be there. My ears will be attentive to the prayers offered in this place, my temple. What a beautiful promise to a king who is just desperate for his God to show up. But now you know that we live beyond the days of the temple. This takes us now to the 120 faithful of Jesus in that room praying for God's power to show up. Let's go to Pentecost. Jesus has died on the cross and Jesus has ascended to heaven. He's gone. And his disciples are gathering and they're praying. They could be next on the cross. They could be the next ones hanging outside the city. All it would take is an angry high priest and enough Pharisees. Maybe a gentleman by the name of Saul, perhaps, and there'd be a stoning and they'd be gone. So they're in this room together and they're praying. God, you promised us power. You promised you'd be with us. We need you. Where are you? Waiting for him? Waiting for God. What happens in that story? Fire falls from heaven. We've seen that before in the Bible, haven't we? Fire falls from heaven, and the presence of God is now dwelling in that room. And it says that the fire falls on all of them, and the tongues of fire land on their heads. But that's odd. Hasn't God chosen his temple as the place for his presence to to dwell? The fire, God's holy presence, the fire in the burning bush, God's presence. Now, the fire falls on them, and his presence through the power of the Holy Spirit lands in them. They are now the temple of Yahweh. His dwelling place is no longer in a building made of wood and stone. It's now in a heart made of flesh. God has landed in his people. His holy presence no longer rests on the mercy seat. It rests inside the heart of a broken sinner who's been made whole. They are now the temple of the Almighty. And remember what the Lord said to Solomon. My eyes and my heart will always be there. My name will be in my temple forever. We become the temple. Right? We become the tabernacle that Yahweh dwells in. Just as he came down in the form of Jesus, took up this body of dirt, and he tabernacled within it, it says in John chapter 1, now God dwells within his people. Not in the midst of his people, not in the center of the camp, inside of them. How does that change the way we pray? No longer do we have to search for the building reach our hands out for it and bow before it in prayer. You are now the dwelling place of him. His eyes and his heart will be on you forever. If my people, 
humble themselves and pray. This is the call. Because it's going to be too easy. It's going to be too easy when these Sunday services start again in just a couple weeks for you to fall into your rhythm and miss the point. It's going to be too easy. It's going to be too easy to come and sit and to sing and to see your friends and think this is the point. It's going to be too easy. And if you've taken a break from being close to God over this past year, if the separation from this building has caused a separation in your relationship with God, then this building and these people have become the crutch that you're leaning on. Let it go. That's the last thing we would want. Your relationship with him has to be more than the friends that you see and the songs that you sing. He's your father. Can you not just come before him yourself and offer yourself to him and meet with him? So don't think that when you come back into this room that you'll be able to reconnect with him. If you weren't able to connect with him outside of this room, then there's nothing in this room that'll fix that. There's nothing magic in this place. This is not the dwelling place of our God. Do you hear me? He doesn't dwell in this room. He dwells in you. And when you fill this room, his presence enters. So I pray for the dads in our church. The ones who don't seek the Lord with a humble heart. The ones who are setting an example for their children of arrogance and pride and stubbornness and hard-heartedness. And I pray for the moms. I pray for the moms who struggle and who feel unrealistic expectations that they have to be enough. They have to be strong enough and good enough and kind enough and loving enough and creative enough. I pray for the grandpas and the grandmas and the seniors. I pray for the young adults. I pray pray for all of you. That you would spend this time meeting with your father, laying down the sins that have gotten in the way, laying down your pride, this wall that you've put up that's keeping you from meeting with your father. Because coming back into this room won't fix that. When I shut the heavens so that there's no rain, when I command the locusts to devour the land, when I send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal 
their land. Father, this is the prayer of your church family this morning. Father, forgive us. Forgive us, Lord, for the attitudes and the expectations that we can bring into this relationship. Forgive us, Father, for the moments that we come before you in arrogant expectation. Father, remind us of your great holiness and remind us of our fallen nature and our sinfulness. Thank you that you've made us a new creation and have made us the temple of your spirit. Lord, humble us. Humble us, Lord, into a position of reverence that when we come before your throne, we recognize you are the king. We don't deserve to look at the king. We don't deserve to be in the throne room of the king, but you've allowed us in and we can have confidence through Jesus. Lord, would this place become a house of prayer? And Lord, just like so many years ago when tongues of fire fell from heaven and landed on the people that followed you, would your presence rest so strongly, Lord, in the hearts of this church that we would become a light to the nations? And would the world look at us and would they see Jesus, the humble servant, the sacrificial lamb, the king who laid down his crown to save his people. Father, forgive us. Father, we repent of our sin. Father, we don't deserve this answer. But we pray that you would heal our land. Make us yours again, Lord, completely yours. Give us an undivided heart that we may know your ways. That's our prayer this week, Lord. Take care of our church family until we meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.